Hear the word of the Lord. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. You guys can be seated. My name is Lachlan Coffey, and we made it, guys. We survived yet again another Christmas. Give it up for yourselves. Ah, I'm so tired. I don't, you know, if you're like me, it's like, what day is it? I don't know. Why does my house look like this? Well, it's Sunday morning. You are at Sojourn, and all is well. We made it. Good job. I, uh, if you're like me, it's like you've been in this tinsel kind of candy cane induced coma over the last week or so. You're just kind of coming out of it. You drink one too many eggnogs and you know, I don't even know what a nog really is, but we drink it, don't we? And uh, I, I have lots of questions like that. I ponder sometimes wondering about things like nogs and such. I think about uh, the, that we call a skunk a skunk. It feels like we should have called it a stunk. It seems, just seems like a real missed opportunity when we went that route. Or, or when I see like a building downtown and it's got graffiti on the side of it and the letters that they chose are bubble letters like a middle school girl would have chosen. It just seems like there's a tougher font to have chosen other than that. Or like when you go to like a restaurant or a building, a business of some sort, and there's two, two doors side by side and one of them is locked. Why? Lock, open them both up. You know, why you trick me like that? Um, I don't understand what the phrase take care. I don't know what we're taking. Um, I don't want to be rude, so I always say, okay, I'll take it, but you know, don't call me in an hour and want it back because now it's my care. Uh, that's a deep joke. Uh, I have lots of questions like that, and today we're going to wrestle with another huge question, not as huge as those questions, but huge nonetheless. Um, it comes from my favorite passage in the Bible. And if you've ever done life with me in any way, if we've been in community group together, or I've done sojourn care, or even premarital counseling, or anything, I've likely brought this verse up with you. It's from John chapter 4, verse 27 through 34. And, it, and here's the context. Jesus and his disciples are doing ministry together. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're doing miracles, the whole ministry shebang. They're doing it together, and they enter into Samaria. Samaria is part of Israel in present day terms. And they walk into a town, they're tired, they're worn out, they go straight to a water well, and they just plop down there. Well, the disciples are hungry, and they decide to leave Jesus behind at the water well and go into town and get some food. And while they're gone, the famous woman at the well story is, plays out, all right, where Jesus is alone at the water well, a Samarian woman shows up to fetch water from the well, and then Jesus says, can I have a drink of water? Jesus engages with the woman and has a discussion. He challenges her on the way she's living her life and then invites this Sumerian woman to have a relationship with God. And her life is forever changed as we pick up in verse 27. And I'm gonna read this one more time um, just to, to make the point. 
Just then, his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman, woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now, a lot of sermons on John chapter four are gonna focus on the woman at the well. That's why it's a famous story. We all, many of us in this room have heard that story. Or maybe they'll focus on the aftermath where she runs into the town and evangelizes. You know, she's uh, um, talking about the good news of, of Christ as the Messiah. But I don't wanna focus on that this morning. I wanna focus on something different. I wanna focus on Jesus's appetite. You see, Jesus had not eaten anything. Uh, after his long journey into Samaria. And if you're like me, I'm at an age now where right about 11.15 every day, I don't need a clock to tell me when I'm hungry, but every day my body just says, you better eat something or you're gonna turn into a psycho lunatic at any moment. You know, and if I don't get food in my system when I'm hungry, I hulk out. I just start, like blood will be shed if I don't feed myself right away. And that's what's supposed to be happening to Jesus at this point, but it's not. Jesus hasn't eaten, yet he's not hungry. He says, I have food you know nothing about. And the disciples are like, you know, what are you talking about? Does someone feed? Does someone sneak Jesus' uh, food? Honey locust? Uh, I don't know, what, whatever they ate back then. And, but Jesus doesn't let the mystery linger very long. He says, my food is to do the will of one who sent me uh, of, of, of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Now, it was a few years ago, I was in a corporate setting, you know, and you can imagine the cubicles and khakis and dress shirts and ties and, you know, that whole professional setting. And I walked out of the restroom that morning, and I had one of those sitcom kind of comic moments where I had a long piece of toilet paper hanging out in my pants, and I'm just walking around my professional office and this toilet paper is just flapping around. I just couldn't care, didn't, had no care in the world, la-di-da. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I talked to a friend of mine named Sarah about some, some business stuff and did not notice this piece of paper. But all of a sudden, both her and I noticed this toilet paper hanging out on my britches. And we both looked at it at the same time and everything went into slow motion of like, oh no. And I went to grab for it and she's watching me and we're wondering, where is this going? Much like how we're wondering right now where this is going, right? And we start, I start pulling it out, like, oh no, you know. And it was this moment, like, this is going to greatly impact our relationship, mine and Sarah's relationship. Now, I pulled it, nothing was there, it was fine, it was fine, all right? Here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. Such a short, simple sentence has the ability, to, when we start pulling it out, it has the ability to have this huge impact on our life. And, it, and I want it to have a huge impact on this morning. I don't know if I'll ever use that analogy ever again, though. Um, it's, I went with it. Uh, might, might be the last one. As we're entering into a new year, I've been considering where many of us, me included, are, are 
are at with our walks in the, with the Lord? Where are we at with our walk with the Lord? And in many ways, living in Southern Indiana is a blessing because it seems like everyone assumes that you're a Christian. And it's almost assumed that you're a Christian uh, even when you might not be. And the church, it has had a large impact on Southern Indiana. And there's a lot of positive effects of that impact. People volunteer. There's a general sense of serving attitudes. People are kind. When you sneeze, everyone wants to bless you. You know, they come out of the woodworks, God bless you. you know, it, but there's also a lot of negative consequences of, of that oversaturation of the church, I would say. And some of that is, you know, there's a difference between going to the church and then being the church. Do you know that distinction there? Many of us love God and we call ourselves Christian, but there's this general kind of malaise over our life. We punch the time clock, but our souls are not awake. Are we satisfied with the Lord? Is there life within these bones? And that's what Jesus is getting here. It's much more than just mere appetite. He says, my food is doing the will of God and finishing his work. Christ is saying, I feel a deep satisfaction by just doing God's will. So when someone feels dissatisfied with life, like something is lacking, we're left wanting, often the question needs to be, are you doing God's will? And I would suspect that often that is not the case. And this leads to the question, that huge question I teased out at the beginning of this, and it's this, what is God's will for your life? Okay, we know satisfaction occurs, but what is it then? What is God's will to get to that satisfaction? And that's what I wanna focus on on our time together this morning. What is the will for God in your life? And Pastor Jonah will pick up on the second part of this verse when, when Jesus says, and to finish his work. Pastor Jonah will come back next week and he'll, he'll finish this out. And then we'll actually be in two years in the book of Matthew, like a good chunk of our lifespan in Matthew, all right? Um, so that's coming up in, in January as well. And as we head into 2019, this, is, this message is a bit of a new year, new you sort of message. And I, like, I think that's healthy. We need a little bit of that in our life. We, under, we need to understand God's will for us so that we can begin to live enriched lives in him. One in which, you know, it's not like struggles disappear altogether and unicorns and rainbows happen magically. One in which, though, we reor, we're reoriented, reorienting our life so that when struggles occur and strife hits us, that we can still have a deep satisfaction in the Lord, a deep joy in the Lord. So what is the will of God? I want to examine three specific areas, for, and that is um, character, creativity, and then communion. Those three areas this morning. So the first, character. You know, when we talk about character, uh, it's, it's real easy to kind of jump to just be a good person and, and just love. And that drives me nuts when, when people just boil it down to that. And yes, God wants us to be good people, Sojourn. God wants us to be loving. Um, we see that in Proverbs 6, when it says, here are six things that God hates, and one more that he loathes with a passion. Eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, a feet that race down a wicked track, a mouth that lies under oath, and a troublemaker in the family. Don't be that. That's the bad one, all right? And if you don't know who the troublemaker in your family is, make sure it's not you, all right? 
So God wants us to not be arrogant. Don't lie. Don't murder. You know, like be good people. Yes, that is good. But character is much more about the interior than it is the exterior. Meaning we can start a scout troop all day long. We can help old ladies cross the street. We can rescue cats out of trees. But character comes from within. So check out Proverbs 21. It says it like this. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. So what's going on in your heart, Sojourn? Who are you living for? That is where character will come from. Looking at 2019, do you want to be a better person? That's a traditional New Year's resolution. I want to be a better person. Well, the quickest, easiest path is to examine your heart. Look at it like this. I think that easily the best list of traits of someone with high character is found in Galatians 5. We just preached about this a few weeks ago. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit passage. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's saying, yes, you can have more joy. You can be kinder. You can be lovelier and gentler as, as people. Or you can run to God and live by the Holy Spirit in you, which produces all those things. It's like the person that really wants a really juicy watermelon. And so their, their plan is they buy an acre of land and they buy the equipment they need for the watermelon. And then they till the soil and they plant the seeds of watermelon. It's seeds. You put seeds for watermelon, right? You put those in there and then you let the rains happen. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm more of a Tostino's pizza rolls kind of guy. So I'm in territory that I'm unfamiliar with right now. But then, so months go by and then you, pull it up, you pluck it out, um, you get it off the tree, the vine, however watermelon is gotten, and then you, you do that part of it, and then you eat the watermelon, all right? Or you could just meet Farmer Fred, who grows watermelons, and you go to the farmer's market, meet Farmer Fred, and get his watermelon. Which one is easier? Which one takes care of us getting watermelon, but takes a lot less effort, and we're still getting just as good watermelon. Well, obviously, option number two is a lot easier. You know, too often we pursue this kind of self-help stuff, and a lot of self-help is good. It's good. But we'd be much better off just deepening, focusing on deepening our relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And a byproduct of a faithful life unto God is high character. You know, and even working on this sermon, I, I was just kept being tempted of like, just telling you, stop being a punk, be respectful to your parents, don't, don't lie, don't steal from work, all those things that are indeed good in character. But God kept bringing me back to scripture after scripture, just reminding me that if you want to live a life of high character, it's really found in having a relationship with God. So in this discussion about God's will for your life, his will in regards to character, it's the same for every one of us in this room. It's for you to live a life of high character, but that high character is found in God. So that's true of each of us. And now I want to go from the broad to the more specific for each of us. And that's found in talking about creativity. Let's talk about creativity. You know, when we think about creativity, um, we think about like Bob Ross and his afro and his easel. And then, you know, I don't make mistakes. I just make happy little 
accidents. No, not trees. <laughs> Happy little trees. Accidents. That's the quote. Um, sorry. That's one of my rules is I hate when a pastor like leaves it in the hands of us because I'm like, I don't know the right answer. And uh, I did it today. I did it myself. My own kryptonite. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about creativity. For the Christian, creativity has less to do with paints and canvases and more to do with transformation. How has God transformed you? And then what are you transforming? So let's first talk about how you are transformed. And again, this is very specific for each one of us, very tailored, customized for you. I would suspect that much of the apathy that we feel in life is because we are not living out of nor leaning into how the creator of the universe has created you. What I mean is what are your passions? What are your talents? What gets you excited? What don't you like? What do you hate? Like, are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Do you like movies? Do you hate books? Do you think cats are from Satan? Are you a chinchilla person? My mom loves chinchillas. You know, all these things. The, like, how has God hardwired you? And then we need to lean into that more and more. Some of you are withering because you either don't know yourself or you are trying to be something that you're simply not. You, you're encouraged by someone that you ascribe to, like someone that you, you know, mentor some sort, and you try to live like they are living exactly, but it doesn't fit because you're not wired like they are. You're different and unique. This is dangerous to say, but I believe there's some of us in this room right now that are currently serving in Sojourn Kids that simply shouldn't be serving in Sojourn Kids. Somehow you, got, you felt guilted into it or you could, you're someone that can't say no and you've been serving every week in Sojourn Kids and it's sucking the soul out of you and you need to stop. Then some of you guys are in here, you're not serving in Sojourn Kids, but every time you're around a kid, you crush it. And you love it when kids are smiling because you're giving them positivity and they, those kids love it and they're feeding that encouragement back to you. Why aren't you serving in Sojourn Kids? I'm saying we need to know ourselves more. When we read the Bible in its entirety, there's a couple of themes that emerge and there's three that I'll point out. One, God has given us each talents and abilities and gifts. Number two, those talents and gifts and abilities are different from each other. And number three, the ones that you got are specific for you. The things that you, the way you're wired is specific by the God of the universe that knows, it says it knows, he knows every hair on everyone's head in this room. So the things you enjoy are the things that God gave you to enjoy. So some of us need to know ourselves more. We also need to know where we came from, our origin story. What's your roots? Some of us came from, come from a long lineage of Christians and like life, our families have just been abundantly blessed and we need to celebrate and worship God. Other of us have an origin story that's dark and jaded and dysfunctional and we need to know that origin story in your life. You need to know it just so you can draw the line in the sand and say, from this point forward, from the Lachlan Coffee line, no more dysfunction and, and darkness. There will be a demarcation in our ancestry from this point on. When my ancestors, 200 years from now, look at our family tree, they're gonna say something happened right here. And that something for my family is Jesus Christ, you know? 
And so we have to know who we are, where we came from, so that we can live out of that um, and, and begin to pursue how God has transformed us. So not only does creativity mean how you are transformed, but also what you transform. I don't know if you know this, Sojourn, but if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you have more power to transform what's before you than you could ever imagine. And I think a lot of us just simply, they don't know, we don't know that. You see, in the beginning, God created the most perfect garden, the Garden of Eden, and it was wild and lush. And then he, brought, he created mankind and he said, mankind, you are masters over this creation. He says, bring order to the world. He actually asked mankind to start naming everything. And that's when Adam chose skunk instead of stunk. That's when he messed up. Um, We're told in Genesis 3, though, that sin enters and then sin would corrupt all of our work. Everything that we pour our life in with occupation stuff is gonna be corrupted. It's gonna have strife in it. Our work is gonna work against us. And that's what you and I experience, I'm guessing almost daily, is difficulty in our work. We experience dissatisfaction in our work, hardship in our work. But ever since sin was introduced into the world, God has been actively working to redeem all that would allow his redemption. So God's will of creativity is to use you to skillfully bring order into the world, regardless of your occupation, regardless if you, are a, you went to seminary or not. Um, it's an active working to reclaim Eden for the glory of God. I'll use this story as an example. I, I, was in, uh, I worked at a coffee shop in my early 20s. And, you know, uh, no disrespect here, but I was a kid, you know, at, in the early 20s, um, pretty much, if I'm, that's how I think of myself, at least. And uh, I worked at this coffee shop, and I, there was a manager there named Patrick. And Patrick was not a Christian And I would talk to Patrick often about uh, what God's doing in my life. Uh, Sojourn had just started. I would talk about a lot what's going on with Sojourn. And he would have all kinds of questions. He was kind of snarky. He was skeptical, cynical. He was a non-Christian. He would make fun of me uh, about God's stuff all the time. And eventually we parted ways. I went went to a different job. He went to a different job and we moved on. Years go by and then last year he texted me. And he said, hey, I want you to know that after I met you, I kept meeting so- other sojourners specifically. And every job that I went to, there was more sojourners there. And they were always loving God, loving others. They were fantastic workers. And they just were a, like a, a, a pleasure to hang out with. And he said, and then he texted me the next thing was a picture of him in, in the baptistry at Sojourn Louisville. And he said, I want you to know, Lachlan, that we write our testimonies here at Sojourn. And he said, I want you to know that you're in my testimony as the first conversation that led me on this journey to this moment in this baptistry. And what in the world? I have, I, I'm not a seminary guy. I don't know all the Bible. I, I don't, you know, who am I? I? I wasn't, you know, there wasn't soliloquies of theology that I was espousing at the coffee shop. I was just trying to love God, love others, and engage with him. And there's this lasting effect that I have had on this man's life now as a result. God using his transformation to transform that which is in front of us. And so that's the question I have for you. What does God want to use you to transform? God wants you 
wants to use you to redeem all that you are involved in. So God's will, we've discussed character. We've talked about creativity. Let's talk about communion, the third thing. Communion involves how we relate. And there's two aspects of relationships. One is the horizontal aspect and then the vertical aspect. I'm gonna talk about horizontal. When I talk about horizontal, we're talking about communion as a community. We talk about that often, community. Um, That means that we act as a family sojourn. That means we're involved in each other's lives. We have each other's backs, as we often say. Galatians 6 says it like this. Again, we just preached on this. We, Galatians must have been a great sermon uh, series, so we keep coming back to it. But Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I love that verse because it, it implies you can't carry someone's burdens if you don't know each other's burdens. It implies a level of transparency in our relationships, a level of realness, that we're honest with each other. The message that we are, we're honest with each other. And in that speaking about our burdens and, and um, uh, displaying that we are the beautiful mess called the church, that we listen to those burdens and then we carry each other's burdens, that we're in this together, encouraging each other's. In 2019, let's be a church, guys, that know each other, that spend quality, quantity of time but quality of time with one another. I, I fear that there's a lot of loneliness at this, in this church, And, you know, there's a way in which we can be around people and still feel just lonely and isolated. And I just want us to grow in that area for for 2019. So I encourage you, use the passions, again, the ways that, the creativity in your life to spend time with one another, but don't let it just stay at that. Let's not have superficial relationship. Let's be active in each other's life, carrying each other's burdens. So that's the horizontal in regards to communion, let's talk about the vertical sojourn. Let's be real with one another as we're closing out 2018. Where are you at with the Lord right now? Where are you at with the Lord right now? What are you doing to cultivate your relationship with God? You know, there's a way to live our lives in which we became a Christian a year ago or five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, and then we just coast. We treat our faith like it's a set of stairs. Like, I'm gonna go to church, okay? And then I'm gonna get baptized. If I'm a real fancy Christian, I'm gonna go to Bible study or a small group. But a lot of times we're just, we might even just get baptized and then we just sit there. And I'm here to tell you that in reality, our faith is much more like a steep ramp. One in which we can't just coast. One in which if we might think that there's this illusion of just coasting on something that happened at church camp 13 years ago. But in reality, the world is pulling us back and we're falling into ways that are not healthy for our lives and not glorifying for the Lord. On this steep ramp of faith, we have to constantly be active in our pursuit of God. Here's how the Bible talks about it. Look at, how, look at the language that it uses. First Timothy 6, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. 1 Corinthians 9 says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Acts 20 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Sojourn, if we are doing anything but striving, taking hold, fighting, running to God, 
The default sets in. And are you familiar with what the default is? What your autopilot is? Because I can tell you for certain, it ain't worship unto God. The default setting is for you to put yourself on the throne and become entranced with the notion that you're the center of the universe. And my friends, if that is the trance that you're in right now, that leads to nothing but spiritual death. The fact of the matter is that many of us have settled for mediocrity in our faith. When God is calling you to anything but that, we have compromised who we are, who we want to be. We have compromised our relationship with God. And then we have the audacity to feel surprised when we feel lackluster in our faith, all the while knowing that compromise breeds mediocrity. So my question to you is, where are you compromising your faith? Lachlan, where are you compromising your faith? We need to be reminded of God's word when it says in Ephesians 5, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, wake up, sojourn. When the Apostle Paul wrote that letter, let me just clarify this. When the Apostle Paul wrote, we call it the book of Ephesians, but it's a letter that Paul wrote. He wasn't transcribing like his sermon on the corner of some street where he's just yelling into a megaphone to non-Christians that are passing by. He literally says who he's writing this letter to. It's the church of Ephesus. And in verse two of chapter one, he says, I'm writing to the faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And what does he say to the faithful followers of Christ Jesus? Wake up, rise up from the dead. And that is just as relevant for us in Sojourn New Albany this morning as it is to that church so many years ago. Wake up. Today is the day that we awaken from the worldly melodies that have lulled us into this comatose existence. We need to be aware of where we are at with the Lord and then fight, strive, desire, yearn for the Lord in our life. And we don't do it solo. We do it together. The sweet spot of God's communion in our life is right in that, the center of that horizontal and vertical where we don't just have get-togethers and meetings without any truth talk but also we don't just live our faith by ourselves. We live it together. And that's the beauty of the, of the church is that we get together. Yes, we gather, we remind each other of God's goodness, but we also scatter out into the city while we, and we still maintain that fight together. So character, creativity, communion, what is God calling for you for 2019? What is God's word for you? I encourage you, take time this week, next week, grab your spouse, grab a friend, get coffee, get dinner together, talk it out, be intentional about talking about 2019 in regards to character, community, creativity. It's my hope that just as Jesus says, my food is to do the will of, of the one who sent me, so it would be that you too, Sojourn, would also take action to pursue the will of God because that is far more satisfying than anything else. Too often, we grab other food that just isn't meant to be sustaining for us. We treat career or the paycheck like it's gonna satisfy us and then we get a salary bump or whatever and it doesn't satisfy. Or we long for a family and then we get married and we have kids and there's still that deep longing like something doesn't feel right yet. You know, I, I struggle with people-pleasing. If 
I could just please everyone, then boom, I'll feel satisfied. I remember just a, um, several years ago, there was this guy at my work where uh, he just hated me. He just, <laughs> he just hated me. And I would like greet him. I would he'd come off the elevator. Hey, hey, how's it going? Someone, I would come in a little hot at times. Um, I would always encourage him, like, congratulations on your accomplishments, all that stuff, but he just, it never worked. And one day I asked my buddy, a buddy of his, like, hey, what's the deal with that guy? Why does he hate me? And they said, you're, he de- doesn't like you because you're too nice. Like, geez, what do you want? Now, a normal person would go, oh, you can't do anything, move on. Not Lachlan. <laughs> Been thinking about it for a decade, you know, laying in bed at night, Maybe if I sent him an edible arrangement, maybe that would make him like me. It's flowers, and you could eat it, it's delicious. You know, that's my struggle, all right? And I have tons of other struggles too, believe me. And maybe God's calling me this morning to do some business with him, that I need to recognize where I'm at with the Lord, and even that desire to still please man. And what is God's, what business do you need to do this morning with God? Let's do it. Let's put it at the foot of the cross. Let's acknowledge our sins before the Savior of the universe that deeply loves each and every one of you. Anything other than doing the will of God will not satisfy us. If you want to live a life of fullness, a life where you feel like completed, It is found with Jesus as king and you relinquishing any pursuit you have to overtake his throne and put yourself as the center of the universe. It requires you to let him into your life. Galatians 4 says, let Christ be formed in you. We need to let Christ be formed in us. For those that are not Christians, I want you to pay attention to this next section of the service. We're gonna take communion together. You know, we just celebrated Christmas. That's where Christ came as a baby, and that's where we're celebrating literally his birthday. Um, And what happens after that is Christ lives 33 years of perfection. Perfection. A perfect life of righteousness. And the night before he's killed, he gathers his close friends together, and they're at a table, and they have dinner together, and they break bread, and he breaks bread. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to die for you. This is my body broken for you. And then he takes a cup of wine and he says, this is my blood shed for you. And then he tells them, pretty soon I'm gonna die. But every time you have a chance, I want you to break bread, drink wine together and remember the sacrifice that I made for you. And and Christ goes on to die a perfect death and rise from the dead three days later. A life of complete righteousness. And because of Christ's perfect righteousness, God says that he takes Christ's righteousness and he covers over our unrighteousness so that now when God looks at us, for those that are in Christ, he doesn't see the unrighteousness because it's completely covered by Christ's righteousness. And so that's what we celebrate when we come up and we break the bread, we break a piece of the bread and we dip it in the wine or juice, whatever your conscience permits. The wine is marked by a twine on the cup If you need gluten-free elements, they're always to my left, your right. And uh, I love you guys. Let's do some business with God now, and then let's worship. Let's pray.